Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings podcast. The insight is back and Raj is back. It's been a minute. Uh, he's been busy. He's just been at the snooker. Moments after the snooker, he's come in. He did watch the Arsenal-Liverpool game. That is what we're going to talk about. Very quickly, though, Raj, the question on social media has been, where have you been? What's been going on? Yeah, I mean, it's been a busy few weeks, I mean, with work. I've been busy with work. Then, obviously, the Christmas period as well, birthday. Um, so, yeah, a very busy period for me. But, yeah, glad to be back on and a good game to kick things back off again. Yeah, man. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. I did text you that, but I'm going to tell you now in person. Um, <laughs> so, Arsenal-Liverpool obviously happened a few weeks ago we didn't did we do the insight after that together we didn't did we uh, no no so this is our first Arsenal Liverpool fixture of the season um, before we carry on very quickly thank you as always for listening to the insight we did have a few questions come through on the last episode but they're not relevant for this one but we will talk about those in a future episode if you have any questions keep them coming and we will talk about them um, very quickly as always I'll let you start Arsenal Liverpool Liverpool 2-0 Lots of things happen, lots of chances, lots of complaints, lots of clips going around on social media. Uh, what was your immediate takeaway from the game? I thought the two halves were pretty different, to be honest. I think the first half was of pure Arsenal dominance. I think their high press was functioning brilliantly. Uh, obviously, they press as a 4-4-2 Arsenal. Uh, and Liverpool were actually building out as kind of a 4-1 rather than inverting Trent to making it 3-2. It was more of a 4-1 and McAllister was a bit of an on an island, I thought, and Rice kind of swallowed him up at times. So yeah, I think Arsenal dominated that first half. Second half, I thought those changes by Klopp at half-time, we'll talk about them, they flipped the game a bit. Uh, they made it a bit more of an end-to-end game, a bit more threat on Liverpool's side and Arsenal didn't really generate as much as they did in the first half. And that pressing advantage they had got taken away by what Klopp did. So, yeah, very interesting game. And, yeah, Klopp's changes were pivotal in the end. I think a lot of people would have watched this game. And Arteta alluded to it after the game, actually, and said Arsenal should have won this game. Obviously, this is the insight. We're not going to talk about exactly who should have won the game, per se. Um, but you just mentioned there a few tactical tweaks that Klopp made at halftime. So let's talk about Liverpool first, because they won the game. Um, and I think, as you just said, I think the tweaks changed again because you just said then in the first half and anyone who watched the first half, there was Liverpool, I tweeted it, I think, saying Liverpool have no way of ball progression without Virgil van Dijk. 
and the fact that Trent was an inverting second half, that all changed. Yes, uh, definitely. I think Van Dyke's obviously a big, big loss. He's calm under pressure. Um, he's got that ping in his locker as well. And obviously with Kwanzaa there, uh, it's not the same level. But still, I thought Gerald Kwanzaa did pretty well. He was pretty calm on the ball. But again, as you said, doesn't offer that progression. Arsenal's high press, I thought was fantastic in the first half. Um, they generated about two or three chances from their actual pressing. So, um, yeah, that's how good it was. As I said, that 4-4-2 structure, McAllister was uh, really taken out by Rice of the game uh, and he didn't have that option next to him. Sometimes Curtis Jones would drop in next to him, but then he would just get followed by Jorginho all the way uh, and Arsenal would suffocate Liverpool that way. Um, so, yeah, didn't have many routes out um, and I thought the wings were a bit weak for Liverpool. Diaz and Elliot on the wings. Elliot is... Decent technically on the wings, but he's not going to give you that outlet to bypass a press. If he gets the ball, we're back to goal, we're back to the fullback. I think it's quite easy for someone like a Kivior to nick the ball off him. He doesn't have that kind of strength to hold him off. Diaz on the other side, he's been in inconsistent form and he wasn't providing the outlet, but Liverpool needed on that wing either. So they were kind of stuck of where to go. Nunes through the middle. It is, can be a bit unclean with his hold at play at times, even though it's improved the season. So yeah, Liverpool stuck of where to go. Uh, Gagpo in midfield as well. Again, another dodgy fit in that position. I don't think he is a trust trusted midfielder. So when he gets the ball, you don't know what's going to come out at the end. He's a good ball carrier, don't get me wrong. But when the ball comes to his feet, what pass is going to come out of it? What is he going to do when pressure's on him? And again, uh, yeah, Liverpool would just had no outlets to get out and also had that build-up issue in their own half. So yeah, Arsenal dominant. Um, set pieces again, Arsenal, that's their main source of goals, I'd say. I think I read a stat about 40% of Arsenal's goals this season come from mm. set pieces, and they should have scored maybe one or two from a set piece in that first half. Um, but what I will say is, I did watch the highlights again when I was coming back, and I think there were several choices that the Arsenal attackers made when they were bearing in on goal that they could have been better. Kai Havertz could have squared a couple of... Uh, or Reece Nelson had one actually when he rounded Allison, he could have squared it to uh, Bukayo Saka coming in. Kai Havertz had one where he could have squared it to Saka again, but he chose to go for a different pass. So I think that decision making and precision in the final third isn't quite right for Arsenal. And again, the finishing will come to again. That's not at the same level it was last season where they scored 88 goals, uh, which was a record breaking season for them in terms of goal scoring. So Martinelli, Saka, uh, and now Kai Havertz that today they they weren't they're not finishing as cleanly as they uh, as they did last season Arsenal so that's another issue for them um so they are generating chances from the high press but are they converting them as well as they could no they're definitely not on the flip side you have Liverpool whose finishing is just much cleaner um I actually to be fair didn't think Liverpool were very clean in the final third obviously when you don't have Salah in the side it, it is a little bit erratic it is like three strangers up there trying to figure out what to do Jota mm. then comes on we were just speaking about Liverpool and that seemed to change uh, Jota has this ability that he he's so direct and we were just speaking before we started he's so low to the ground that he's really hard to get the ball off um, and those little facets in his game make him very different to the other two that Liverpool had on Diaz then moved to the right hand side ended up scoring we just said he actually had a very indifferent game. Um, but Klopp's tactical change is something I do, do very quickly want to talk about. I, I think we're at a point where, because Jurgen Klopp is labelled as this passionate manager, um, his tactical input in a game is almost, nobody talks about it. It's, it's almost like, yeah, well done. You've got three really good attackers and you moved them around. Any manager would have done that. But I don't, I, I think there is, it, we've got to a point where maybe we have to go, hold on a minute. There's a lot more to 
uh, Jurgen Klopp the manager than just this passion guy. One thing I like to say is I think Klopp's in-game management has taken a massive leap forwards this season. And I think that is due to him having a better squad available for him to utilise as well. Um, you go back to the start of the season that uh, when Liverpool had two sendings off against Spurs, it was nine men. Klopp's changes there really shut out Spurs until the Matip home goal. I think he used a 4-4-0 and they couldn't break that down. Um, then you go and look at the um, Fulham game a few weeks ago. Liverpool was struggling in that midfield area. What, what does he do? He brings on Trent. Oh, like, Trent was on there. He brings Trent to right back and he brings on Motaru Endo. Endo releases Trent to go forward as kind of a box-to-box midfielder. Trent gets that winning goal from flying forward into the box and his general input on the game was a lot better. Um, then you look at last uh, last month against Crystal Palace. Uh, the, the, the winner comes from Harvey Elliott as a substitute. Uh, he brings him onto that pocket of space in the right-sided uh, eight roll. Him and Salah linking up fantastically and Elliot finds that space and gets the goal for him and bails him out of trouble. And today again, the in-game change from Klopp was crucial at half-time. What he does, he, he had, as, as we mentioned earlier, he had Diaz and Elliot on the wings. He switched that over and said, I'm going to put Nunes on the left wing and I'm going to put um, Diaz on the right wing. And that is just pure pace and intensity on both wings. And he recognises Arsenal can't cope with that as well as, they can, uh, as, as, well as they can with central build-up. So what that meant was Liverpool went a lot more direct to the flanks, taking advantage of Kivio and White's weaknesses in that area, and they bombarded them with passes down the flanks. And yeah, it was Liverpool's way of escaping the press, but also hurting Arsenal in the final third. And I thought Nunes was a, a, a chaos agent again in that left wing role, and Diaz gets a goal from the right wing. Um, so yeah, brilliant changes. And then Jota as well. The substitution of Jota as a nine improved Liverpool's decision-making and clinical touch in the final third. You look at that final goal... Jota dribbles through the middle and releases Diaz at exactly the right time. And he'd had a few other moments like that where he dropped and dribbled. And he's really dangerous. I described it on social media. Jota is 50% Firmino and 50% Nunes. What I mean by that is 50% false nine. He can drop and dribble and pass. But he's also an outlet in the box as well. He's a bit of both. And he's a wonderful option to have. And I think he's going to be crucial in the coming weeks. He's one of these players that I think is a little bit of an enigma. Because... um... If you spend 90 minutes just focusing on Dugo Jota's overall play, you will find yourself frustrated. But if you focus on what he does in and around the box, he is genuinely a gunman. It was um, was it the Burnley game? He came back. He he comes back. Yeah, comes on, gets it, finds himself in a tight angle. Most forwards cross the ball there, and he goes, "I'm just going to blast it as hard as I can." Um, yeah. He's a classic five-a-side striker at times. Um, get him in and around the goal, and he is just going to shoot, and it's going to more often than not test the keeper or go in. Um, you know what? You're right, but I like that five-a-side comparison actually because he's like <laughs> there's always that one guy five-a-side. The ball comes to him, you're finished. You may as well give it right yeah, there yeah. <laughs> in the box. Yeah. That's the same with Jota. Yeah, it's literally just touch and bang at any given time, um, and his decision making is just like killer. So so good. Gakpo needs to get a little bit of that into his game. I think Gakpo had it before he got injured against Spurs. He had a little run, but he's obviously a very um, He's driven by confidence. I don't think Jota is. Jota just plays the way Jota does every week. Um, this is the thing, actually. You're, say, you're saying about Liverpool's forwards. I agree. They haven't been at their best by Mo Salah. I think none of them, as you say, have the elite decision-making in the final third. I think Jota is not elite, but he's kind of good at decision-making. Lots of Nunes, again, messed up several transitions today. Diaz, again, he cuts in, he goes on online, he cuts back in again. He doesn't do the right action at the right time. And Gagpo, as you said, hasn't got that kind of leaf wedge to his actions. He's got a good ball striking, but he sometimes misses the right option or doesn't uh, doesn't execute the right option. So 
there has a big scope for improvement for Liverpool still. They haven't really touched the ceiling of their team, really, even though they're top of the Premier League and in all cup competitions. There's a long way to go, and that's pretty exciting. With Klopp's record with attackers, I think there's a re- real scope for improvement for the likes of Diaz, Nunes and Gagpo. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see how it progresses. Yeah, it's a scary time if you're opposition, because a lot of people are currently saying Liverpool have loads of goal scorers, when actually, if you think about... Um, the stats, Jota's been injured, Diaz hasn't been scoring for a long, long time. I think he's got two goals this season, all comps. Uh, Nunez has been contributing, but he's always going to contribute, I think, because he is that he is that nature. But you know, what, get 40 at... I had a discussion about Nunez. I agree with you. He's always going to contribute. He reminds me, he's not as technically as good as early Drogba. Early Drogba mm. wasn't rattling in the goals, but he was rattling defenders. And they couldn't handle yeah. his sheer size and hold at play and pace. Nunez is a bit similar to that. And eventually the goals click for Drogba. Will they click for Nunez? I'm not sure because it's a temperament issue for me, not a technical issue in terms of finishing. Uh, will he get that? I don't think any of us can say that, to be honest. Um, Jürgen yeah. Klopp's obviously got the faith that he will. So yeah, that, 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 that's where he needs to improve, really. The Drogba comparison is brilliant because I also remember in Drogba's early years, he was super emotional. Uh, mm. In the sense that in the, the ball would land in the box and he'd be three yards out and he'd blast it at the keeper and you'd think flipping it just cooler mind. And another point on the just going back to the Drogba emotional thing, I think that's spot on because he got sent off in that first Champions League final. Do you remember? And he lost his mm-hmm. head of it. Remember the Barcelona Chelsea knockout game? He was saying it's a disgrace and all this happened. Yeah, so def- I think that yeah, there's definitely a, a, a budding comparison between the two. There's a lot of similarities. Um, the one I think say big difference maybe is that um, Drogba for his time was much more of a physical pest in terms of physically bully defenders. Darwin is um, more of a pest in the sense that he's rapid. Um, but there is still similarities in terms of how they are on the pitch. Um, part of the reason Liverpool were able to play that switch pass constantly uh, is because of a man you've probably mentioned about 15 times already and we haven't really delved into, but I think it is time to delve into it. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I mean, there's a moment in the in the, in the second half he dribbles inside his own box and plays a 45-yard left-footed ball into the channel to Diaz. This guy's out on a different planet at the moment. Yeah, it's obscene what he's doing, really. I think a lot of temptation has come to rank Trent against other right-backs in the world and in the Premier League. I don't think that should be done anymore. Trent Alexander-Arnold should be ranked amongst the best players in the Premier League, never mind the right-backs, because that's the influence he's having on this Liverpool team. Mo Salah out today. Who did Liverpool look to to get them their chances? It was Trent Alexander-Arnold in the second half. Klopp inverted him a lot more and, as we said, played those long balls into the channels to Diaz and Nunes. And Trent was finding those passes with pinpoint precision. Those ones where he whips it in behind the fullback, they're impossible to defend. They really are. Unless you've got Carl Walker or Alfonso Davis at recovery pace, you ain't getting to them. And he's doing that with pressure on him. He's doing it in the middle of midfield now. This is not a right-back. This is a world-class player, not a world-class right-back. Um, so, yeah, he's doing outrageous things. And actually, I think he's looking a bit more invigorated by this midfield switch but from a psychological point of view. We talk about tactics on here, but I think psychology is important. And I think Trent wants to be a midfielder. He wants to be in the central zone. And I've see, I'm seeing him stride past players in the middle of the midfield now. And 
ball carrying and dribbling is not something you associate with Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right back position. But in midfield, he's he's striding past people. He's enjoying himself out there. He's reveling, taking the vice captaincy and what being one of Liverpool's be- best two players at this moment in time. So yeah, the, the Trent Alexander-Arnold. There's it's that ball progression. I think. I think only the likes of Tony Cruz and Kimmich can kind of rival him with that passing element from deep, and that is why he is one of the league's best players right now. And yeah, it's impossible. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. To defend at times. The, the crazy thing about uh, Liverpool today was a lot of people, if you didn't watch the game, if you watched the highlights, you might be under the impression that Liverpool progressed the ball really well. They did not. Um, the idea was get it to Trent as fast as possible and then Trent do whatever you can to get us out of here. And he did it repeatedly. Uh, and, and at times it is a bit of a cheat code. We often refer to Kyle Walker's pace as a cheat code uh, or De Bruyne's passing as a cheat code. But Trent's ability to pick any pass out on the pitch is an absolute cheat code. And you mentioned, and we are going to talk about Arsenal, you mentioned Arsenal's fullbacks also happened in the game uh, at Anfield for the Salah goal. Trent was just floating passes in behind the fullbacks and just saying, fullback against a winger, do you fancy yourself? And if you don't, it's absolutely fine because we've got world-class wingers we're going to take to shreds, irrespective of how we are playing as a team. Yeah. And uh, as a a random aside, you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne. Watching Trent recently makes me think when Kevin's legs are going, I see him dropping back into a quarterback role. Honestly, I see him mm. dropping back into a quarterback role and destroying teams from deep with his passing. I think he's got that in his locker as well. But at the moment, he's too athletic and too good in the box and shooting from the box to, to put him that deep. But I think I see that coming. And yeah, Trent, the way he's doing it, it, it is special. The guy I was actually watching a few weeks ago, someone recommended me to watch him, was Juan Sebastian Veron when he was in Syria for Lazio. We didn't see his best at United. But in Lazio, he was actually one of the world's best midfielders. And what he was doing was he was doing similar to Trent. He was creating from these deep areas, pinging passes left, right and centre. But also he was able to stride forwards, get into those half space areas and create assists 
from those areas with with his crosses. So Trent is actually playing a bit like that Veron, that Serie area of Veron actually. And I, I recommend other people to watch Veron and see if they can see the similar comparison between the two. That's a fascinating bit of insight. It's not one that I've ever thought about. I didn't I didn't watch enough of Veron at Lazio. I remember watching him at Inter and also United. Um, but that's a fascinating one to to look into because people are always looking to compare Trent to someone in terms mm. of positioning and, and style yeah. of play. And often people say De Bruyne, but I don't think you can compare him to De Bruyne because of how advanced De Bruyne is. Um, and also De Bruyne does create from the right half space an awful lot. Now, Trent used to do that, but I think he actually doesn't do much of that anymore. Um, let's talk about Arsenal because uh, obviously we, we are doing Arsenal Liverpool Arsenal fans are obviously very concerned about their team and I think rightfully so to some extent um, what's going on over there do you think I think let's break it down into the offensive and defensive issues I think offensive issues we've talked about uh, that clinical touch in the final for the clinical pass and the finish is not quite right. They should be generating better chances from some of the high-pressing situations and should be finishing off their chances. Also, I think they will be concerned by how little they got from settled build-up today. I know the XG tells a different story, but I think most of that was from high-pressing. And again, we've talked about it to death's door. It's that left-sided issue again. Is the playmaking Mm -hmm. influence there of Granit Xhaka? Now, Sinchenko's out as well. They're looking a bit even more bland in possession. So, yeah, that that remains an issue for me. Uh, as I said, 40-odd percent of their goals have come from set-pieces. That I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. It shows they're really working well at set-pieces, but it's also showing they're a bit blunt in terms of open play. Uh, de- now, let's look at the defensive issues. I think we've mentioned it. I think teams are targeting those flanks now. Kivior today, he looked like a flat-footed centre-back playing at full-back. Didn't look suited to the role. Zinchenko's been exposed there in the last few weeks from a defensive point of view. The other side, I think Ben White has been a shadow of his former self from last season. I don't know. I saw rumours he's carrying an injury or something like that. He may well well be because he's not looking as sharp on the turn. He's not being aggressive and proactive in his defending as he was before. And the first time I noticed that was actually when Manchester United went to the Emirates. Marcus Rashford cut in and White gave him an ocean of spaces and bend a shot into the net. So Mm. that's been an ongoing issue. Um, And defensively, other than that, they're looking pretty pretty tight. Saliba and Gabriel, I don't think there's any issues there. Saliba may be in the air. He can improve. Uh, such as the Jota header, which hit the crossbar. But other than that, I think their defensive units can settle. It's just those fullbacks uh, that they need to improve. I mean, during Timbers to come back, he is athletically much better than their other fullbacks. Tomiyasu, from an intelligence point of view, a positioning point of view, he is also better than their other fullbacks. So maybe that is their full-time pairing in the end. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. But there's definite areas for improvement. Otherwise, I see them falling further behind the Tartar race if, if these issues don't improve. And the problem with the chances that came, and you touched on it, is they're not playing through their opposition. They didn't cut Liverpool open because they played good football. Uh, they pressed very well. And that's basically what Liverpool were doing last season when their midfield's legs were gone. They were just hoping to press occasionally to pinch the ball back. Um, the problem with that is I think it can lead to this miss, this type, I guess this sort of like fake illusion that we outplayed our opposition today. Mm-hmm. I don't think Arsenal outplayed Liverpool in the end. Uh, and if if anything, Liverpool outplayed Arsenal in the second half. That is going to have a big issue for you. Because if you're saying defensively we're sound, which I think they are actually, um, but then you can't play through the opposition. It's a ticking time bomb. You're going to concede goals eventually. Um, and then the finishing, as you touched on, it's just erratic. It, it, there's... Um, 
Saka, I don't want to pick on, I think he's an outstanding footballer, but uh, there were moments today where I was just thinking, just take an extra touch. Um, yeah. Reminds me a bit of Sterling. Sterling, when he was at Liverpool with Sturridge True. and Suarez, like, he was the weak link in front of goal. Can I give you a stat on Saka, which I think is going to shock a lot of people. I saw it in somebody's Twitter replies today. And he has played, at 22 years of age, Bakaya Saka has played the same amount of minutes as... 28-year-old Jao Palinia. <laughs> wow. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know if this is a fake stat. I don't know if it's in source. But it went viral on Twitter. And that he has been played into the ground. He really has. Where, I can't even remember a time Saka's been rested yet. Because there's actually no right wing backup. Because he got rid of Nicolas Pepe. And no one is actually backing him up on the right wing now. Yeah, that's a, I did not. I did not. Now that you've said it, I haven't even once thought about one his age and two the fact he plays so many minutes. He's gonna be knackered. And to be fair, last season there were times in the Europa League where he was playing ninety minutes and they didn't need him yeah. to, um, which is concerning. I think you've got to look after players of that age. Uh, as a conversation for another day, I think. I think we yeah. should talk about the, the, the these other, young players that might burn out. The other thing is with the finishing. It's in the nature of the players they've bought already. Pep moved on Gabriel Jesus for a reason. The finishing was erratic always. Pep, um, Chelsea moved on Kai Havertz for a reason. Again, his finishing was never never clean enough for them. Uh, and it was he went through patches of good finishing, patches of bad finishing. Even Thomas Tuchel couldn't extract the best finishing out of him. But then he comes up with the Champions League winning final, uh, Champions League winning goal. So that's the nature of these guys that they bought. Um, so yeah, that, they've got to look at their recruitment as well uh, in that sense. Uh, just very quickly on that point. What do they do to fix this? Because we're saying they can't play through teams. We're also saying they have injuries at fullback. We're then saying their forwards are maybe a little bit too emotional, a little bit too erratic. Mm. Um, but then this is essentially the same team that took the title all the way last season. Um, there's a lot of talk about Arteta tilting in style a little bit too much. Um, so what's your thoughts on what they do? I've got a thought, actually. I, did, I was thinking a couple of weeks ago. I would try Martinelli up front. I would try Gabriel Martinelli as a striker because if you look at his XG this year, he's on 2.2 XG or something stupid in the Premier League. <laughs> that is ridiculous. When he was scoring 15 plus, I think, last season. Uh, something mm. around 15 goals in the Premier League. And he is a great ball striker off both feet, Martinelli. If you get him in those positions, he's quick. He's got sharp movement in the box. And it's not being utilised. He's being used as a wide outlet. Even when he came on today, he was very wide and on the byline getting crosses in. Um, so that's my thought. Can you use Martinelli up front? Left wing, you can use Gabriel Jesus. I actually quite like Jesus on the wing, to be honest. He works hard. He's part of the press on the front. He tracks back and he's dribbling. It's very good. So maybe put Jesus on the left wing, Martinelli up front, see if you can get more goals that way. Um, that, 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 I don't know whether you disagree, but that, that's one thought I had. Yeah, the only one there is I don't know if Jesus can play off the left as as effectively as what he does maybe on the right because I don't think he's got a great left foot. Um, but Martinelli through the middle, I think they did try it for a little period last season. I could be wrong. Um, or maybe they moved him into a central area a couple of times. There's a few reasons why I think it works. One, Arsenal don't have anyone that runs beyond. Uh, so the best features in the best teams in the world are 
players that run beyond the last man. You look at Liverpool in their peak, Salah, Mane, Salah less so now. Um, you look at City, now they've got Haaland, obviously. They used to have Sterling. You've got wingers that run beyond. At the moment, Saka wants the ball to his feet. Can you take on your fullback? Gomez has won four out of four duels against Saka today. So that tells you if he's not having a good day dribbling-wise, 1v1, they're not going to get him running beyond his man. On the opposite side, Martinelli runs beyond his man, but they're utilising him as this 1v1 winger, which is clearly not working because he, he got past Trent twice today, actually. But he wants to get past his uh, fullback and then get into a narrow area where mm-hmm. centre-backs are usually going to sweep up, especially against Liverpool. Um, and then Jesus doesn't run beyond and Havertz doesn't either. And neither does Trossard. So I think in a lot of ways, what you're saying there is if you're playing through the middle, you might have someone who can run beyond, might give you a threat a little bit quicker. Arsenal are a bit slow in possession at the moment. It's a little mm. bit too stagnated. Bit so, um, so yeah, I, I, I do hear it. I'd, I'd be tempted to start Trossard more often off the left as well. Yeah, because he's quite clinical, Trossard, when he gets a chance. Um, he's got a good ball striking. I think he zinged one in against PSV, was it? Absolute phenomenal mm. finish. He's got a few of those in his locker. This is a temporary solution, though. I think the actual long-term solution will be you stop inverting your left back, you actually invert your right back. And so Jurin Timber becomes the inverted right back next to Rice. So you've got that double pivot in possession. And then mm. on the left, you've got an overlapping left back. So someone they have to bring in, really. They haven't got that profile on the squad. And then you bring Martinelli closer in towards goal from the left wing. Um, that might be the eventual solution. And that is similar to what Liverpool are doing right now. Trent comes in and the left back flies forward. Diaz comes inside. So maybe mm. Arteta has to look at a bit of what Klopp's doing and get some inspiration. Interesting. They did have a left back who would overlap, Kieran Tierney, but he's yeah. gone now. <laughs> and apparently he's he doing some good stuff in Real Sociedad, actually. I think he's getting, injured. He's getting injured as usual, but he's still um, coming up with the odd performance. Yeah. Um, any final things that we might have missed? I feel like we covered a lot there. Yeah, a brilliant, brilliant uh, match to analyse, really. Um, yeah, I think what we've got in store now is a title race. A big, big title race. Arsenal, I wouldn't rule them out just yet. They've gone out of the cup. That should free up their schedule a bit with the Champions League, obviously, they've got. But Kevin De Bruyne back today for Man City. And I think Liverpool still have their big piece to come, Thiago Alcantara as well. So that is when we'll get the real title race hotting up. And I think we will see the full extent of both uh, all three teams with challenges uh, coming up. I think it's next month of Premier League games. We'll see who comes out uh, on top. Fascinating stuff. There's been a lot of Thiago Alcantara prop on the inside, so I'm hoping when he gets back, he doesn't get injured again. But it feels like they're wrapping him in cotton wool this time. There's a he's been available and training behind the scenes for a really long period now. Um, I think Klopp even alluded to the fact that we've got to make sure he's right when he comes back. So um, the other one, the team today, yeah, the other one is Andy Robertson. I think he has declined. I honestly think Andy Robertson has declined over the last couple of years. But I think because this was a shoulder injury. He should be rested up from a leg and fitness point of view in terms of coming back. And it should have, should have recharged his batteries a bit and go back to the old Andy Robertson motoring up and down the flank. And that provides Liverpool with another source of creativity. They've got so much already. But I think Andy Robertson still has a big part to play as well in this season. Scary hours for those involved in a title race. This is going to be a very fa- fa- fascinating running. Uh, Raj, as always, thank you uh, very much for hopping on. Those of you guys at home for listening, thank you for listening. As I said at the start, make sure you drop in your questions. We'll try and answer them. We may do an insight where we just spend 20 minutes answering your questions. Uh, that might be a good idea, one, one, one to do. 
Um, and of course, if you listen on Spotify or any other podcast platform, make sure you drop a like, uh, follow Raj on social media, follow at No Ratings Pod, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.